Take your Bibles and sermon study guides out. Ephesians chapter 6. God just won't let me leave this powerful portion of God's Word. Ephesians chapter 6. You could be prepared with me this morning. Ephesians chapter 6 will be there in just a minute. The wild game dinner coming up so quick uh, reminds me of the hunter that was out bear hunting. Something that I have never done and never have a desire to do. My, my, my. Uh, uh, I'll do underwater cave diving, but I've never had a yen to go out uh, bear hunting like Pastor Hal. And uh, Pastor Hal has not only gone bear hunting, Pastor Hal has shot a bear and stuffed a bear. Poor bear. My, my, my. Well, this hunter was out hunting bear. And sure enough, he came across a big, bad, black, huge bear. And this bear charged him. And he thought, here's my moment, pointed his gun, and click. Click. Oh, God, feats do your duty. Help me. And he took off running. But as you know, the bear was a whole lot faster. And as the bear was bearing down on this hunter, the hunter's crying out to the Lord, Oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, make this bear a Christian bear. And sure enough, the bear stopped. It sat up on its haunches. It folded its paws. And sure enough, it prayed. The bear prayed. Lord, we now thank you for the food that we're about to partake of. <laughs> and that was the end of that story. Prayer. Prayer. Look on our side walls. I have just been so consumed with this theme for Lakeside Assembly of God. Overcomers 2016. I told the office, we got to get it before them. We got to get it on our walls. We got to preach it. We got to sing it. God has called us to be overcomers in 2016. And we are seeing God do that. Before I forget, in your handout, you'll see that uh, God bless you. In your handout, you'll see that we are knocking at the door of $900,000 that's already been given to our building program. Hallelujah! God bless you. As of the end of the year, and that's a three-year goal, and look at how far you are at, at that three-year goal already. And I just applaud you in being overcomers in your giving, your faithfulness to what God has for us. Uh, I just got a call over this weekend. In fact, it was on Thursday, I believe. Thursday, I believe. I got the call from our architect, and we have gotten a major victory that I want to thank the Lord for. That's why we call it Overcomers 2016. Uh, we were faced with a um, doubling, a doubling of our fire suppression issues that we had expected. It was more than double, which means more than double the cost. And, and I want to share with you, yeah, I haven't had a chance to share with the deacons yet. I want to share with you that we do not, 
do not have to put a new wall in that would stretch from our nursery all the way down to our chapel. They were going to force us to put a brand new wall in from floor to roof deck. That was going to be extremely costly. Uh, they have suspended that decision. We don't have to do that. The big one, the big one, they were going to force us to completely water sprinkle and retrofit this entire sanctuary. Not only would that have been a tremendous cost to this church, it would have been a terrible disruption to our worship services. They have suspended the water sprinkling for the sanctuary. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Praise the Lord! And are allowing us to grandfather this situation under our present uh, fire code. And we just thank the Lord. I can't tell you. I can't tell you uh, how good God is being to this church. There's so much going on behind the scenes that you don't know about when it comes to the details uh, of the building program. And God has called us to be overcomers. Keep praying. Keep praying with us. Building programs are not just natural developments. They are a spiritual warfare. And we covet your prayers uh, and uh, we can't be overcomers without this ministry that I'm about to preach to you about. To be an overcomer, you don't have to have a singing voice. To be an overcomer, you don't have to have a theological degree or, or, or be able to preach like me. But you must know how to pray. You cannot be an overcomer unless you know how to pray. I'm not just talking about mealtime prayers like you're going to uh, initiate at the restaurant after service. Prayers of overcomers release the authority and the power of God against satanic resistance, against strongholds. Uh, they bring the walls of Jericho down. They move the mountains. The, uh, these are prayers that win the battle and enjoy victory living. Paul, the apostle in Ephesians 6, reminds us that we are not in a playground, but that life is a battleground. We are consistently battling against sin, the world, Satan, and I would convince you that our number one enemy is self. And that's why prayer makes the dramatic difference. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 13. Let's look at it again. Therefore put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes you may be able to stand your ground and after you've done everything to stand and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. I find it interesting, and it's a major point in this message this morning, I find it very interesting that in describing spiritual warfare, a main, a main issue that Paul brings up, a key point, is that you pray for God's people. Pray for one another. And that's where we're going this morning. Pray for one another. I want you to join me in a fascinating study. It's going to take me a few weeks to finish this. God has just opened this up to me. I've never taught on it. I've never preached it in my entire ministry. It has just opened up to your pastor this past week. 
The Lord's caused me to look at all the battles in the Bible. And the, the, the book called the Word of God is filled with battles. Physical, natural, real battles. Ancient battles. And also spiritual battles. And I want you to see, time and time again, how prayer made the difference in the battle. Prayer won the battle. Prayer brought victory living. Let's look at that. Let's learn how specific prayers were used for specific battles. Let's learn how to pray more effectively. Let's learn how to pray with power. Let's learn how to be overcomers as we continue this morning with our message series, Prayer Warriors. Prayer Warriors. Join with me, if you would, in your study guide this morning, if you would. Second Chronicles chapter 13, verses 2 through 3. And there was war between King Abijah and King Jeroboam. Abijah set the battle in order with an army of valiant warriors. 400,000 choice men. That's more, that's more soldiers than the United States has ever fielded in battle in the Middle East. Think about that. King Jeroboam also drew up in battle formation how many? 800,000 choice men, mighty men of valor. Mark it down with me. Here, God's people under King Abijah are outnumbered. Oh, I, it's two to one. They're confronted by a massive force of God rejectors twice. Their size. What do you mean God rejectors, Pastor? Why not just heathen? These weren't necessarily heathen. The enemy here, the bad guys here, used to serve God. They used to worship God. These, the enemy here, are the ten tribes of Israel. Israel is now divided politically and spiritually. Ten tribes have formed one nation under King Jeroboam. And King Jeroboam has led them into paganistic, heathenistic idolatry. They are now God rejectors. Let me tell you something. Let me give you... A, the worst people to deal with are not, is not the world. Let me, let me alert you about your business affairs and your dealings with people. This is a bunny trail I hadn't planned to speak about. The worst people issues I have ever encountered are not with the sinners, not with the world, but with carnal Christians. Lukewarm, half-hearted, backslidden Men and women of God that used to walk with God, that used to know God, but have rejected God and His grace in their lives. They are the most difficult people to deal with. Paul, the apostle, in 1 Corinthians said, 10 says, don't even break bread with them. Don't even break bread with them. They're compromisers. The enemy here, consists of God-rejectors, people, men that once knew God, but have turned their back upon God. And now they're fighting against Judah. Judah has wholeheartedly served the Lord. Judah, under Abijah, 
is committed to God. And so Abijah gets on a mountaintop and he starts preaching to Israel who's about to attack Judah. Abijah says in 2 Chronicles 13, 12, Now look, God himself is with us as our head and his priests with sounding trumpets to sound the alarm against you. O children of Israel, do not fight against the Lord God of your fathers for you shall not prosper. While King Abijah is pleading with Israel, Jeroboam sent his troops to surround Judah completely. Judah is now outnumbered and Judah is now surrounded. When Judah realized that they would have to fight the battle on two fronts, both before and behind, the Bible says that the men of Judah, they cried out to the Lord for help. And immediately the priests blew their trumpets these were not ordinary trumpets. These were not ordinary trumpeters. When the priests of the Bible blew those trumpets, what was it a call to? Does anyone know? It was a call to praise and worship. When the priests would sound trumpets such as the ones they carried, it was a call to praise and worship. And what do we read in 2 Chronicles 13, 15? And the men of Judah began to shout, and they shouted, and they shouted. And at the sound of their battle cry, God defeated Jeroboam. And all Israel and routed them before Abijah and the army of Judah because praise made a way for God to bring the victory. Write it down with me if you would. Though outnumbered and surrounded two to one, God brought the victory to Abijah and Judah through their battle cry of praise. Is the battle cry of your heart when you engage the unseen foe in prayer, is your battle cry praise and worship. Prayers prayed by overcomers are prayers that are saturated and permeated by praise. Rather than beginning your prayer time with a shopping list, of your requests, your prayer requests before God and turning him into Santa Claus. How about begin your time with praise and begin to ascribe unto him majesty and honor and glory and power and blessing to him who's on the throne and everything's going to be all right. That's what Jesus taught in the most famous prayer of all. What did Jesus teach us to begin our prayers with? Jesus taught us this. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed, <laughs> or holy be thy name. Jesus taught praise and worship to precede our prayers. Oh, would you fill in the blank? Overcomers pray with praise because there's always, 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 mark it down, a third party in prayer. Who? The enemy. Don't you know? He'll give you a thousand and one excuses to keep you from praying. Don't you know he'll be at work to fill your mind with doubt and with fear while you're praying? That's why you need to enter into praise and worship. That's why you need to permeate your prayer time 
with praise. My Bible, your Bible, says that God inhabits the praises of His people. God especially releases His presence in prayers that have been saturated by praise. And the enemy, he can't tolerate the presence of God. The enemy, old Slewfoot, he's allergic to praise and worship. Huh? Have you been, has the enemy put a, 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 a target on your back, a bullseye on your back? Then lift up your hands, lift up your voice, begin to praise the Lord. Uh, he cannot handle, he, uh, he's allergic to praise and worship. Oh, mark it down well. Prayers permeated with praise aren't for buttering God up. They're for building up our faith. They're for building up our faith. At our cottage, we have a telescope. We have a telescope, and, and I, you know, I love getting out of this light pollution and, and getting a, a bit up north and being able to see the nighttime sky, especially in the winter. I had my brother come on over, and uh, he said, Phil, this telescope doesn't work. I don't see a thing. This, Phil, what did you get? I said, Jeff, you're looking through the wrong end of the telescope. You're looking through the wrong end. The end he was looking through was making everything teeny and tiny. Just as long as you approach life through your fears, just as long as you focus on your failures, just as long as you focus on your fears, just that long, your prayers will be pointless. Your prayers will bounce off the ceiling. Determined to be a praiser. Determined to be a worshiper. Determined to saturate your prayer time with thanksgiving unto the Lord. In so doing, you will begin to enlarge who your God is. And you'll diminish your problems, your fears, and the vicissitudes of life that you're battling against. Praise causes you to look through the right end of the telescope. Praise enlarges who your God is. Praise allows you to know that you know that you know God is in control. And no matter what happens in life, He's going to make a way where there seems to be no way. Will you praise the Lord? Uh, will you worship the Lord? Hallelujah. Let everything that hath breath Praise the Lord. You can praise Him with your hands lifted up. You can praise Him through the singing of your voice. You can praise Him by confessing His promises on high. You can praise Him by clapping. You can praise Him by lifting up your hands to a holy God. The point is, let everything that hath breath praise ye the Lord. And watch what God will do to win the battle. And for you to gain the victory. Hallelujah. Next. Another dimension of overcoming prayer is revealed by the prophet Samuel. Under Samuel, Israel repented of her idolatry and turned back to the Lord as they gathered at a holy place called Mizpah. Mizpah. 
It was a day of celebration. God's people were turning back to Him. It was a day of victory. God's people were celebrating Him. It was a day of holiness as God's people were returning back to their Lord. And every time there's a spiritual victory, every time there's a spiritual blessing, I have found this in ministry, in pastoral work, Throughout my life, who's winking at you just around the corner to drag you down? To bring you off the mountaintop? Count on it. Count on it. It is one thing to become a champion. It's a whole other thing to stay a champion. An overcomer stays a champion. It's not enough to gain the victory. It's walking in the victory day by day. It's keeping the victory. Israel is celebrating before the Lord, and guess who finds out they're celebrating? Guess who finds out they're assembling together in one place? Mizpah, their arch enemy, the Philistines. Goliath was a Philistine. The Philistines were known for the giants, the giant warriors that lived among them, the Nephilim. The Philistines had iron chariots, which Israel did not. The Philistines were much more seasoned and trained in war. They had hundreds upon hundreds of years of experience. The Philistines were born warriors. The Philistines outnumbered and outgunned the Israelites. And so the Philistines attacked Israel, gathered at Mizpah. And as they saw their enemy coming, they pleaded with Samuel... Oh, pray to the Lord that we might be rescued. Now I want you to note this. 1 Samuel chapter 7. Then Samuel cried out to the Lord. I want you to note it doesn't say he prayed. I want you to note it doesn't say he talked. It says he cried out. Would you circle that word cried? He cried out to the Lord on Israel's behalf. And the Lord answered him. How did God answer? The Bible says that God spoke from heaven and his voice sounded like mighty thunder and his voice of thunder because God can just speak a word and miracles happen. So scared the Philistines that they were routed. They ran in confusion and Israel won a great victory that day because one man cried unto the Lord. Oh, mark it down well. Real prayer warriors touch the heart of God with passionate praying. Passionate praying. James chapter 5, verse 16. I want you to know that this is New Testament teaching. The effective fervent. Fervent. Circle that word, fervent. The fervent prayer of a righteous person avails much. Fervent. That word fervent, you can write next to it, means passionate. It means being desperate for God. It's the prayer of Jacob who hung on to God and said, Bless me. I will not let you go until you bless me. It's a cry of desperation. It's a prayer of passion. And the Bible is full of examples of passionate praying. When the, the children of Israel discovered that the waters 
were bitter and not sweet. They complained to Moses. And the Bible says that Moses cried out to God. I would too if I was Pastor Moses leading a congregation of two and a half million through a, a dusty desert and for three days they had nothing to drink. And the waters are bitter. Let me tell you, issues like that will cause you to cry. And Moses cried out to God. And what did God do with the bitter waters? He made them sweet. Amen. Hannah, the Bible says in 1 Samuel 1 that Hannah could not have children. She desperately wanted children. So she went into the house of the Lord and she knelt down before God and she so cried with passion. Her prayer was so fervent. She was so desperate for God to grant her a miracle, to grant her a child, that Pastor Eli, the high priest, came up and said, Woman, are you drunk? He thought she was drunk as a skunk. She says, no, I am pouring out my soul unto the Lord to give me a child. And he said, may he grant your request. And God gave her a little baby by the name of Samuel. That's right. Oh, Hezekiah was met by uh, the prophet Isaiah. And Isaiah said, Hezekiah, King Hezekiah, get your affairs in order because you're going to die. How would you like to have that word of encouragement given to you? Huh? How would you like to have that word of encouragement? Put your affairs in order, you're going to die. God says you're going to die. Hezekiah, the Bible says, went and turned his face to the wall and cried, cried unto the Lord. And the Bible says that the Lord uh, heard Hezekiah is crying and weeping and answered his prayer and gave him how many more years? Fifteen more years. Oh, I can go on and on and on of examples of how God responds to the desperate, how God responds to the passionate. There's no greater example than the one who sweat, as it were, drops of blood and said, Lord, not my will, but thine be done. Please remain seated in your pews. Everything's all right. Our security team will take care of our health need back here this morning. Let's pray right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, we ask, O oh Lord, for whatever this health concern is, that, Lord, that you would give, O oh Lord, your care, your comfort, your health, your healing in the name of Jesus. Lord, we pray right now, God, as our prepared security team, our healthcare professionals take care of this need, that, Lord, you will touch, you will bless, you will raise up. Lord, let there not be any distraction here this morning as we all focus in on your word in the name of Jesus. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. God knows the need. And God will take care of it. Amen? Praise the name of Jesus. There's no greater prayer warrior than Jesus who prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane, Not my will, but thy will be done. And the Bible declares that he sweat as it were. What? Drops of blood. Drops of blood. 
He was so desperate. He was so earnest. He was so passionate in his praying before the Lord. Half-hearted responses won't cut it with God. They don't cut it with our loved ones. How do we think that it'll, it'll cut it with God? Look out for half-hearted, lukewarm, praying, casual Christianity to creep into your prayer life. To have power in prayer, you don't need to have credentials. You don't need to have a degree in theology. You don't need to have the stained glass voice of some oratorical preacher. But you do need to have a heart of passion for God. For God. For God. Church history tells us how more than a hundred years ago, the Salvation Army had come to a standstill in their soul-saving work in the city of Chicago. The workers wanted to throw in the towel. The workers wanted to give up. The workers wrote a letter to William Booth, the founder of the Salvation Army, and said, We quit. Nothing's working. We've tried everything. God isn't moving. It is a classic in church history. William Booth wrote back two words, two words, two words in a telegram. Try tears. Try tears. Try tears. You see, God responds to passionate praying. God responds to a people who pour out their heart to Him. God responds to a people who are desperate for Him to act and to win the victory. The other day, Becky came up to me, and she had that smile on her face. And I thought, oh boy. Anytime she's got that smile, it's going to cost me something. She had this smile, and she came cozying up to me, and she said, do you love me? I mean, do you really love me? Well, I thought I'd do one better. And uh, being very creative as I am and being very romantic, uh, I created these lines. I don't know where they came from. It just popped in my head. And I said, ain't no mountain high enough. Ain't no valley low enough. Ain't no river wide enough to keep me from loving you. I love you more today than yesterday. And not enough is tomorrow. And she looked at me and she smiled. She said, oh, that's so wonderful. Would you take out the trash right now? I said, it's cold out there. It's cold out there. Half-hearted, lukewarm, namby-pamby, mediocre, Love won't cut it with our loved ones. How do we think it's going to make it with God? God responds to the fervent, passionate, desperate prayer. Do you need a prayer breakthrough? Get desperate with God. Try tears and watch what God will do. Amen. Lastly, this morning, lastly, the overcoming prayer example of Moses and his two friends. Oh, write it down with me. When the Amalekites attacked Israel in their journey to the promised land, Joshua fought them in the valley while Moses prayed where? He prayed on a hilltop. 
Exodus 17 describes this battle. So Joshua fought the Amalekites as Moses had ordered, and Moses, Aaron, and Hur went to the top of the hill. As long as Moses held up his hands, get a hold of that, as long as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites, the enemy, were winning. When Moses' hands grew tired, they took a stone and they put it under him and he sat on it. Aaron and Hur held his hands up, one on one side, one on the other, so that his hands remained steady till sunset. So Joshua overcame. Can you say that word overcame? Overcame. He was an overcomer. The Amalekite army with the sword. Moses, Aaron, her on that hilltop illustrate a powerful truth this morning as we close up. I want you to note, Joshua fought a natural battle in the valley. Tomorrow, students, you're going to fight a natural battle at school. Adults, you're going to fight a natural battle in the job or in the home, the community, the marketplace. We fight in many ways a natural battle in the church and in our outreach ministries. But I want you to know that the natural battle in Exodus 17 did not depend on Joshua. Get a hold of that. Some of you, it went right over your head. You're already thinking about the restaurant you're going to. The battle that day did not depend on how well Joshua fought and his army. The battle, the victory was entirely dependent upon prayer. Upon Moses praying on the hilltop, not Joshua fighting in the valley. Both Joshua and Moses' ministries were necessary. We need to minister in our Sunday school classrooms. We need to minister in Bible quiz. We need to minister in our youth ministry. We need to go on missions trips. We need to be involved in outreach ministries like jail ministry. And I can go on and on and on and on. Those ministries are necessary, but prayer makes the difference. One battles below, while the other determines the fight in prayer. Prayer's hard work. Prayer's often discouraging. Note here in Exodus 17, who got tired? Not Joshua. Moses did. But notice, Moses did not pray alone. His hands were lifted up in prayer by Aaron and her, those who are his close friends. You see, write it down with me. Real prayer warriors pray for one another. Ephesians 6.18 With this in mind, be alert. Always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Real prayer warriors really pray for one another. Are you praying for one another here at Lakeside? Listen, the greatest sins in the church, the greatest sin in the church is not lying, stealing, 
cheating, gossiping, lust, pride, selfishness. What's the real sin of so many countless churches? I'll submit it to you, prayerlessness. The prophet Samuel said this, As for me, far be it from me that I should, what? Sin against the Lord by failing to pray for you. There it is. Pray for your fellow Lakeside family members. Pray for protection. Pray for blessing. Pray for favor. Pray for the victory. We're not only called to pray for one another, we're called to pray with one another. There's something marvelous that happens when we pray with one another. You see, we're the body of Christ, the family of God. God especially responds to us. Now, some of you that are needing a miracle, you need to hear me. Hear me. Please don't let me lose you. Some of you that are needing a desperate miracle need to hear this dynamic. God will purposely cause us to go through the battle so that we'll learn to pray with one another. That we'll learn to pray together as the family of God. God wants us to know that we're not independent, but that we are interdependent on one another. I need you. You need me. We are members of the family of God. We are living members of the family of Christ, the body of Christ. My hand, as Paul says, cannot say to my body, I do not need you. There is miraculous healing power. There is breakthrough victory that happens as God sees his people praying with one another. This is taught over and over and over again in Holy Scripture. Why does God want us to pray with one another? So that we'll begin to understand each other's needs. Don't let the pastor be the only one that knows the needs of the church. You need to discover the broken heart that is sitting in the pew with you right now. Church was not meant to be lived alone at your house. Churches coming together with the people of God to be living coals that are brought together to generate the fire of God's Holy Spirit. Paul said this in Galatians. Paul said this, share each other's troubles and problems and so obey our Lord's command. If anyone thinks he's too great to stoop to this, he is really fooling himself. He is really a nobody. Boy, Paul really comes down on those that don't pray for and with one another. Mark it down well. Partnering in a prayer of agreement with other prayer warriors can produce powerful victories. Jesus taught this principle. It's called the prayer of agreement. Something miraculous happens when God sees us partnering in faith with one another. Read with me, Matthew 18, 19, Jesus said again, Truly I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. The key word here that I want you to circle is agree. 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 This is a partnership of faith. This is the agreement of faith. This is agreeing in the Spirit. God respects 
prayer partners who agree upon issues of prayer together. It's interesting. The Greek word that's translated agree is symphano, which means harmony. We get our word symphony from this Greek word. You see, prayers of agreement are music in God's ears. Have your children, when you were raising your kids or your kids right now, have they ever played the game, have they ever played the game called split the parents? Huh? If they don't get out of dad what they want, then they turn and go to mom. Right. And they play the game split the parents. Hear me in this. The devil delights, this is his strategy in the church, to split the church. He does not want us to come together in the prayer of agreement. He fears the prayer of agreement, so he'll do his best to bring division and schism to any group of God's people that are brought together in the name of Jesus. Partnering in prayer with prayer warriors multiplies the power of your prayers. Jesus said in verse 20, for where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I with them. Do you need to double the strength of your prayers? Do you need to multiply the strength of your prayers? Is it seeming like your prayers have been bouncing off the ceiling? The, prayer, the answer has been delayed. Does it seem like you haven't been able to break through to the victory that God has promised you in His Word? Then my admonition, my counsel to you is to get with other believers. Enter into the partnership of faith. Pray the prayer of agreement together and multiply the power of your prayer. The Lord has promised that when we do this, we not only win the battle, that we enjoy the victory as overcomers. And the greatest aspect of this is what Jesus said in the last part of verse 20. Jesus said, There am I with them. You're not only holding hands with your lakeside prayer partners in faith agreement, the prayer of agreement. Who else is in that prayer circle holding hands with you? Jesus. And if Jesus is praying for you, if Jesus is praying with you, victory is assured. The battle is won. The battle is one. Will you pray for one another? Will you pray with one another? Will you enter into agreement in a partnership of faith? Will you enjoy the victory by multiplying your prayer power? This is how overcomers, this is how overcomers minister. This is how they move in the authority and the power of prayer. Last week we opened up these altars. We declared this sanctuary is God's house of prayer. I was just thinking there would be one simple line down here when I asked how many need a miracle, uh, need a, you have a desperate answer to prayer, and this altar was jammed. 
And what I had planned for the end of the service, I couldn't do because the altars were just jammed. It was powerful. And there was one certain situation that garnered my focus. Around this area here was one big family. One big flesh and blood family. And most importantly, the family of God. Mom, Grandma was standing here. Maybe you noticed. And her children, their spouses, her grandchildren, especially her husband, had hands laid upon her. They were pressing into God's presence in the prayer of agreement. They were all praying together. They were praying for mom, with mom, in agreement. They were multiplying their prayers. I came over and I anointed mom because I had been called over the weekend and I knew what she was facing. She was facing certain brain surgery. It was a devastating, devastating blow. She said, Pastor, I'm not discouraged. I'm trusting the Lord. I said, tomorrow morning I'm preaching on prayer. Come, come to the altar. Let's, let's, let's enter into a partnership of faith, prayer agreement. And that's what the family did. Yesterday I got a call. I got a call from Roberta Short. Raise your hand, Roberta. Roberta and Carl have been here almost as long as I have. Roberta was facing, it was practically a certainty of brain surgery. And there's no surgery that's more delicate with more consequences than that. And she met with the surgeon yesterday at U of M. And after others had diagnosed, after others had foretold the surgery to come the master surgeon looked at it and he said oh this aneurysm is so small we won't have to do a thing but keep an eye on it <laughs> hallelujah hallelujah oh you've got one more blank to fill Fill it out with me as you see it on the screen. Remember, we're all in a battle. Let's be overcomers by praying with other prayer warriors and watch the victory come. Would you stand with me this morning? Precious Jesus.